Welcome to the JVB Health and Wellness Podcast. On today's episode, we discuss the importance of establishing and maintaining a routine as it relates to one's overall health and wellness. Getting on a consistent routine may be the most important thing we can do in order to be consistent with our health and to follow the various pillars like exercise, movement, sleep, stress management, time management, nutrition, and many others. We also have a discussion about the importance of setting realistic goals. Now, I set tons of goals, some of which are achievable, some of which are super easy, some of which are kind of moderately easy, some of which are hard, and some of which are super hard. And I fail on many of my goals. And I'm okay with it because my mindset is, okay, here are my goals. And if I achieve the easy ones and the medium term ones, most of the time I'm good. And I realize I'm not going to achieve my kind of long-term stretch goals. And so I don't fail on everything all the time because I really don't expect to achieve many of those goals. But many of us will stretch ourselves and we will set completely unrealistic goals. And then when we don't achieve them, it will bring us down and we'll feel like we're failures across the board. And in those cases, it's really important to set easier, more maintainable goals and change our mindset and expectations around the achievement of these goals. We also discuss the difference between exercise, where we elevate our heart rate or do strength and movement. We talk about injuries and some other topics. Enjoy. You off for a run? I am going to walk talk with you guys and I'm going to go for a run. Yeah. Great. So Jeff, there was something about, we talked about last week about, you said that, um, you know, you're so busy right now, uh, that you don't have time for various things. And you said, I think something like, Hey, I'm failing at everything. Like, like I'm not succeeding at everything at the full level. I want to, as I think the way you put it, you remember that comment? Yes. Yes. Correct. And I said to you, look, it sounds like you're just too busy and you need to be less busy. And I thought about that more, and I think the other thing to think about there is, um, you know, setting realistic goals. And so sometimes if we don't set the right goals, then it's hard to achieve everything. And so I, I know that I mentioned that to you after the call. Have you thought about that at all? And have you thought about, do you agree with that? And, you know, maybe would you make changes based on that? Um, I would definitely make changes based on that like look you, you know you saw my run on saturday it was slower than i normally am but you know i enjoyed it it was a good run i did my 14 um so i just think it's baby steps i think it, like even today you know i couldn't go out i could i didn't leave the table i was up at eight and i'm i just left the house now like i didn't take, get any walking in today um and to be honest there's somebody who asked me to have a conference call during our call and i politely said no i can't do it so you know, and that's basically because I can't do everything. I'm already stretched too thin. Um, so I will make those adjustments moving forward. It's just going to be a gradual, uh, uh, gradually going to have to go into it. Yeah. And I find that sometimes I can pick up time at the end of days. So um, it might mean that I have to be more efficient at the end of my days so that I can be more efficient the next day. Do you know what I mean? So for me, like my time management is not just about like waking up in the morning. I'm not saying this is you, but like I've thought about this a lot and I've had to make some changes so I can be more efficient. And it used to be that I would just, you know, sort of get up in the morning and kind of wing it. 
and try, try and get everything in that I want to get done, I would always fail then. Right. And so like you said, you didn't, you couldn't do anything before eight o'clock. What did you have going on last night? It's uh, a good question. Last night was today, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. <laughs> last night I, I just went for a run and then I moved the car and then I talked to my family by the phone, you know, um, so are you by yourself up there? Yeah, but yeah. I went to bed later than I wanted to, and then um, it's interesting. Went to bed later than I wanted to. I got up in the middle of the night and I picked up my phone and I started doing work and I couldn't fall back to sleep. So that was one of the bad routines that I want to break, which is you know go to bed earlier, sleep, don't pick up my phone in the middle of the night, and then just continue sleeping. Um, yeah, I, I try, like when I'm in those phases, I try and put my phone in a different room away from me. And I also try and make sure that I am thinking about and planning throughout the day and often the day before, okay, what is my day going to look like tomorrow? And then what is my evening going to look like tomorrow? And for me, like, I really try and be efficient then prioritize what I have to get done, checking emails, spending time with the family, talking to the family, um, preparing and laying all my stuff out for the next day of things I'm going to do if I'm going to work out, et cetera. And so you may want to see if you can pick up time. You've said a couple of times, I just can't do it. Right. And when I hear, I just can't do it, it makes me think, well, uh, you're probably not managing your time well enough to make it happen. And maybe you're not prioritizing high enough. And, and that's where the goals come in. Maybe it's just, maybe it's like the fifth thing on your list and that's okay too. You might have work things going on and other things, and that's fine, right? But I want you to self-reflect and I want you to say, okay, last night I did this, you just said it, and I wanna be better at that, so I'm gonna pick up an hour here. And that hour that I can pick up the night before might mean that I can sleep for seven hours and instead of getting up at 8.30, I can get up at seven or 7.30 and I can get it out of the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um... Yeah, I'm with you. I, look, I, I was I was I was very regimented for a very long time of writing the list out the night before. Like before I ended my day at work, here's what got accomplished, here's what didn't get accomplished. Roll that in the next day and, and keep going. And it was a good thing you're doing. I think the unfortunate thing with COVID, I kind of got out of that routine. So I just got to find a way to get back into that routine. Right. It's all about the routines, and it, it's interesting. Um, one of the people that was on the call last week, he couldn't join today. Uh, I, yeah, I created this call so that maybe people can use it as a check-in for themselves and use it any way they want for accountability. And I'm a big believer in streaks. Uh, and so I try and keep, get streaks going for myself of anything. And, you know, I talked to, talk to you guys about the – sometimes I sleepwalk and I sleep eat and I had a long streak going and I kind of had that streak broken. And, you know, so – I just got to say to myself, that's the most important thing to me, not to sleepwalk, not to sleep eat. So I got to get a streak going and I have a streak going of one, which was last night, right? And it's very, very hard for me to execute it, but whatever it is, the, so the person that was on the call last week, he, he emailed me and he said, look, I have set, I, we, I, I appreciate the conversation about the streaks. And he said, I have set the following goals, uh, trying to work in into my life the concept of a streak for good activities every day and he said he's focused on exercise every day remember these are different for every everybody now he has four goals on here like sometimes i set one goal right but he said i'm going to try and exercise every day 
I'm going to get, he just set 10,000 non-exercise steps, non-exercise steps are the steps we get when we aren't exercising. So that means he wants to move throughout the day. He wants to log into the JVB app. I noticed that he was, he started doing his reporting, which might make him accountable for checking his sleep, make him accountable for what he's eating, what he's drinking, et cetera. And he, and then his fourth goal is to have a three or 400 calorie deficit. <laughs> Jeff, can you mute? Uh, three or 400 Sorry. calorie deficit, no problem, um, a day, three or 400 calorie deficit a day. And, um, you know, my response to the calorie deficit, I don't really live based on calories. I, I just try and eat as much, you know, whole food, unprocessed food as possible. And if you do that, you can eat whatever you want pretty much. But some people do do the calorie deficit diets. And my comment to him was, if you're going to start to move more and you're going to start to exercise more, you're going to be hungrier. So you may lose weight, but you know, if you're going to uh, need to make up some of that deficit in some days, cause you're just so tired, then try and do it, you know, unprocessed. So um, streaks are really important. Um, Bob, I know you're a big streak guy also. Have you thought about any streaks? I know we've talked about these streaks and sometimes you hit them and sometimes you don't. Where are you at? Uh, so I, I, in fairness, the whole power outage threw everything off. Totally. Um, and so when, when we were able to sneak away for a little bit, I was able to be uh, active, but I, I didn't. And one of the workouts that I did, I even, so the power outage meant that my Garmin for the first time in, many months uh just fully lost charge right and you and, so, and just for everybody here you you lost power based on these major storms on the east coast and you said seven or eight days how much power so it was eight days it was from so it was the the tropical storm which itself wasn't even that bad by the time it got here but it spun off some minute uh, a micro tornado that hit my town and mm. so we were it was like a very localized uh hit and so, yeah, it was without power. That kind of threw everything off. But I was definitely excited for this week's call because uh, I'm viewing it as the, you know, as the beginning of, uh, of a streak. So I'm, I'm, you know, as you mentioned, for accountability and whatnot, I'm certainly looking to be here next week and, and tell you I was able to, you know, I did a good job this past week with the movement and the exercise and the eating. So Great. And maybe think about what, what your goals are and then next week you can report what they are. You don't have to do it now. Or you can claim yeah. it now, however you want to do it. I'm, I'm going to claim it. I'm going to try and hit seven days without the sleep, walking, and eating. It's really hard for me to do because I'm going to sleep a lot of times. But I'm trying to beat it. Uh, <laughs> but um, hi, Sarah, by the way. Um, so good. I'm glad that you're going to try and uh, get a streak going. It's interesting. I, I often have some frustration with my wearable device or my Garmin when it doesn't work, right? Yeah. Or or when uh, I forget to charge it, right? And so the mindset I always try and have is, you know what, you know, yes, everyone knows me, I'm really into the data and everything, but I've gotten to a point where what I, I know, and I think we all know what the most important thing is to do things and is to move. And as long as you did hiking and you got your heart rate up and you're moving, who cares if it's captured or not? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, right. uh, but, but so I don't want people to think if my watch doesn't work, Ooh, you know, some people will think oh, I've been working out so much and everything. My watch doesn't work. I'm gonna take a few days off. That's fine. That's different. Right. Right. But the, the idea of trying to make sure that we keep going, even if our wearable device doesn't work is the most important thing. It's technology. I have seen people losing power is a different thing, but I've seen people where like, 
I, I, my watch has not worked. Uh, my Garmin watch, uh, I have a little bit of a foot thing going on, which I'll talk about. So I've decided to stop running for a couple weeks. And so I had to figure out how to replace my exercise. So I want to do something every day. And I've been eyeing these massive steps by the, down by the ocean in Dana Point, California. And I've decided just to walk up and down those steps. And when I select the stair stepper option on the Garmin watch, the heart rate doesn't work for like the first 10 minutes. Right. And, uh, and I, and I notice if I do it for a run, if I have it on the right way, it's fine. But so, you know, for the last four or five days that I've been doing the stair step or workout, my heart rate monitor has not worked. And in the past that used to drive me crazy. And I will have people that will call me and they will be, it will actually cause them a huge amount of stress and anxiety. And I would just say, just take, just take a step back and say, what's the most important thing is that you're getting exercise in and that you're still keeping yourself going and keeping yourself healthy. And if the heart rate doesn't work once or twice, so what? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, when, when Garmin had their, uh, their technological issues a few weeks ago, it, was, it, it, it hit me because I was, in a, I was in a good spot. And then, you know, we, thanks to you with the, work, with the technological workaround. But uh, it's crazy how technology is great when it works. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I really have seen some, I've seen some people, it really causes them stress. I've also seen some people focus so much on the wearable devices that they let other things in their life fall down. So, or they get so focused on, you know, making sure they record their workouts and making sure that they move for their steps that they stop checking their mail or they stop doing things that they should be doing with their career or whatever. And so, like, again, the most important thing is just to do things and to move. And I, I, I don't stress too much about the um, wearable devices at this point, but I have seen it and it has caused me some stress. Right. Indeed. Sarah, how are you doing? Good. Sorry I was late. I um, got called in to help out at the gym um, coaching. So I, uh, that's why I'm late on the call. <laughs> Oh, at a, a gymnastics gym. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Awesome. You're you're coaching yeah. again, or um... no? They just bring me in when they're short on coaches to help out. So I was there yesterday and today. It was I haven't been at the gym in a long time, so it was fun to go back. Awesome. Great work. So Thanks. can we can we talk about what we were texting about the other day? Yes, of course. Do you remember the question you asked me? I think it would be interesting for other people maybe to listen in on that. Well, the, it was, I was talking about um, heart rate and what I asked was I walked, you know, for example, I walked six miles the other day and my heart rate was about uh, like the average was 110. And I asked if that, if slowing down, well, let me backtrack. So Jim was telling me a while ago about how slowing down um, to get your heart rate down doing mostly easy and you know if I'm misquoting jump in but mostly easy workouts and then you know a couple of harder workouts um during the week and for me I'm used to really kind of going all out all the time and my heart rate is generally up above like 150 especially in South Florida so you know I have some time because a lot all of my races are canceled so I said you know would it be reasonable for me to do like a six mile walk you know a couple times a week and bike Keeping, keeping my heart rate down like around 110 and you know the the answer was 
Um, Should I know, answer? I have to oh, oh yeah, go ahead, sorry. Okay, so uh, yeah, so I get this question a lot and I, I actually, Sarah, didn't view your question much, much along the lines of kind of training with a low heart rate. I, I view your question as a much bigger picture that it's something that I have thought about for 20 years and it goes back to when um, you know, I used to be a gym rat and I would go to the gym and I would just do something to get my heart rate up and I wasn't doing any kind of metabolic efficiency training, which is to keep my heart rate down, but just to get any exercise in. And at that point, most of my exercise was kind of in the middle, not really hard, not really easy. And my brother, he, I would say it, I would encourage my brother who's two years younger than me, just a little less than two years younger than me to exercise. And he says, screw you, Jim. I do exercise. I walk everywhere. Okay, and I say, well, you know, even back then I'd say, well, that's probably not exercise. That's probably movement, which is also important. Like, what's your heart rate? I don't know. Well, is it hard? No. Do you sweat? No. Okay, so I would look at that probably, and I suspect your heart rate's pretty low. I suspect your heart rate's in the 90s or 100-ish um, area and probably not exercise. Hi, Shruti. Um, and, and so as I've thought through um, – that over many, many, many years, like what's really important for all of us is to move and to get our heart rate up. And forget about this metabolic efficiency training for a moment. Let's just keep it simpler. It's a, it's a concept of I move around and my heart rate is not really elevated and um, I don't sweat and it's, you know, I could just walk forever. It's not really exercise. I would consider that movement. And then the concept of, you know, trying to get the heart rate up to get exercise in, which is different than movement. So Sarah, that's the way I viewed your question when you first asked it. And the way that I have handled it um, as a coach and on my app is I actually wrote an algorithm to, a lot of people will start a file when they go walk around, for example, on their device if they have one. And I look at that data and that heart rate is usually in the 90 to 100 range. And maybe if you're in South Florida with a super high dew point and it's super humid and everything, people can get their heart rate more elevated. When I heard your question, I thought, okay, here's a person who has trained for uh, multiple triathlons and who is an Ironman triathlete. And she's made a decision that she wants to train less because she's not training for any event since all the events are canceled pretty much these days and will be for a while. So what does that mean for her training? Right. And so, I, if you, I think the first question I asked you after that was, it depends on what your goals are, right? And if your goals are just to get your heart rate up and get some exercise in and move your body um, and elevate your heart rate and get a little sweat going, a heart rate of 110 is fine, you know, and it does count as exercise. I have written an, an algorithm on my app that looks at every age from 10 to 100, and it actually looks at aerobic versus anaerobic ranges. I think 110 for you is a great range to be in because you are elevating your heart rate. But if you told me, and, and if you got an hour a day at that 110, I would consider every second of that exercise. Now, the issue is that a lot of times what happens is that people, when they go out and they have, a, have an average heart rate of 110 for a walk like that, and they're in a really hot environment, you'll start to see the heart rate creep up over that hour-long walk. And so when you start, your heart rate's 80, all of a sudden their heart rate's 85, and then your heart rate's maybe 95 or 100, right? And, and, and then maybe as you creep along, you see the heart rate drift. And so 
for a while it's 110 and for a while it's 120. So you hit an average of 110, but maybe 50% of that or more was kind of below a heart rate of say 105 or 102. So I, I would consider some of that movement and some of that exercise, right? And so it really yeah. depends on where the heart rate is. Again, it doesn't, it's kind of like we were talking about with a watch and a wearable device. So the wearable device doesn't work. Who cares? You're still moving and you're still exercising. I think both, both those are really important. Now, if you said to me, Jim, I want to be in a maintenance mode because I do want to get back into training. Uh, and I want to take the next, I want to period, periodization is what a lot of the triathletes call it, where they take a month kind of off and they don't do very much or they just do whatever they want. They're not training for the event. Right. And if you said to me, but I want to come back after that month or after two months and I want to start hitting my training pretty hard and I want to be, I don't want to lose too much fitness walking for you at 110, say six days a week and maybe doing a little biking, a little swimming or whatever, you might lose some yeah. fitness as a result of that. Right. And so I am like, I am not doing any long runs right now. I am just trying to do something every day for an hour just to have good health and fitness, right? And so that's yeah. where I'm at. If your mindset is, look, I want to come back and I, want, I don't want to lose fitness. If you're doing a walk of 110 and no running and very little biking and very little swimming, you will lose fitness there. But it is what you will get from that heart rate of 110-ish you know, ish is fine. It's exercise. And I'll pause yeah. there and see if you have any comments. No, I, I, well, the one thing I was trying to figure out but I looked back at my file to see if I could figure out how the data on my heart rate. And of course, what for me, if you start throwing a bunch of numbers and percentages at me, my brain shuts down. So I'm like, I don't know. I'll just ask Jim. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, you know, I'll look at it again and see. Um, but for me, you know, I have this last month, um, I have kind of started to do my, my own thing a little bit. Um, not even in maintenance mode. I just, I think I just took a break. Um, you know, I've been doing stuff. I, I at least have a run twice a week that I do, but it's more been like the running and the, or I mean, the, you know, those two runs and then walking and doing some rowing and, you know, but really not, you know, not anywhere close to, you know, even a maintenance mode, I think. So I, you know, want to start hitting, you know, hitting it hard again, like in uh, September, um, so I, I think I, I probably have lost not a ton of fitness, but like you said, uh, I think I've lost a good chunk of fitness. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to look at the file again to see where where my heart rate was for the majority of that walk. Um, yeah. So so a couple things. Um, first of all. You know, if you were training at 110 to 120, you actually might become more metabolically efficient if you had five or six hours a week of doing that, right? So you actually might get some, a lot of professional athletes when they retire, they start just going around and hang out with their friends and they maybe do a little run here or there, a little walk here or there. They actually improve their fitness, believe it or not, it's crazy. So I'm not saying yeah. you completely lose your fitness, but you might lose it in some ways for some of what you were doing and what some of what you're training for. But, you know, my, my app, if you link, I don't remember if you have your workouts flowing into my app, we can look, but there is a page that I call aerobic anaerobic. And if you just, if you just, you go to that page and it will tell you of the 60 minutes, you know, based on what I consider aerobic and anaerobic, this is how much time you were in aerobic zone, this is how much time you're in anaerobic zone. And, mm -hmm. and, and this is how much time you were below the aerobic zone. So if you're around 110, you're not going to have any anaerobic, which for you is probably going to be in the 140s, high 130s, or maybe mid 130s now or higher, yeah. right? But the aerobic zone, you, your level is probably going to be below 104, 102, where if you aren't getting your heart rate up to that level, 
I would consider it movement. So if you want to start yeah. looking at that, the, the, the app also will look and add up all your time for a week and everything too. So if you yeah. want to, if you want me to look at that, just remind me, I'll go take a look at it and make sure you're LinkedIn. If not, I'll tell you what to do. It is. It, it's in there. I looked at it the other day. I looked on that file, that uh, file specifically. Um, so I think I just have to, uh, I have to, I have math anxiety, so I think I just have to look at it again. <laughs> That's fine. Or, or tell me to look at it. Just text me and, and I'll just pull it down for you and I can send you a picture of it, right? Um, okay. But again, uh, like anything is better than nothing. And I'm really happy that you are continuing to do something. And it doesn't always have to be in training. We don't have to always have to be training hardcore, right? Like the most important yeah. thing is to get our, elevate our heart rate a little bit, do a little bit of strength you know, during the week, it'd be good for you to do one or two days of strength yoga, you know, my strength exercises, anything you want, and then move. Yeah. That, that's my thoughts on that, Sarah. So can anybody injured on the call right now? Besides me? I guess I have to admit I have an injury. No, you know, that's actually, yes. oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say one thing, it was interesting when you were talking about I saw that in your uh, um, sort of outline. I got into biking because I had plantar fasciitis that lasted, I mean, forever. And so it was, that became a, a, a good fun alternative to sort of running or walking or, you know, certain things that were really hard on your feet at that point in time. So that's how I actually really got into enjoying biking and cycling as much as I have. And that's outdoor cycling or on a, on a, both, both. both. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, plantar, plantar fasciitis is a tough one. Um, you know, I've at points in my life had it very, very severely. At one point I had it so severely it was even hard to walk in both feet, right? And I suspect many of us on the, on the call will have had plantar fasciitis. It's mostly caused by, I mean, we all can have a predisposition or genetics to or foot structures or whatever to have more of a risk for plantar fasciitis. And women often sometimes get it worse than men because women often will wear heels at times or wear different type of stack shoes or different types of flats, right? And so um, I think that one of the challenges for the plantar fasciitis is, you know, once it comes along, it can stick around for a while, but footwear is so critically important for it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and that might even mean on the bike, making sure you have some sort of insert that you need to put in your shoe. Uh, if we wear clip-in shoes, sometimes we need to put uh, inserts in to help to structure the foot the right way for the plantar fasciitis. And once we get the plantar fasciitis, it could be very tough. So... My, my advice, there are some stretches that you can do if you get plantar fasciitis um, where you can put your, your toes up against a curb. That's the one I do the most sometimes. And sometimes if I do that right away and stretch for a while, uh, I think it's really important. Some people will tell you that, you know, having the calf uh, or having good hamstring and calf strength is really good too. So just being flexible and, and not being too tight will help with the plantar fasciitis. But plantar fasciitis is a tough one. Anybody else have plantar fasciitis? If you don't have it, you're very lucky. I've, I've had it. I don't have it now. Great. Same answer. Yeah, same yeah. answer. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those weird things that kind of just shows up. And usually I got to go look at my work shoes and see how worn down they are. And I got to look at my running shoes and make sure that I'm in the right running shoes. But um, they're both challenges. But back to the injuries. So I started to I, – I, I have to wear orthotics. I was born with misaligned feet. And so um, when I was 41, um, 
I, I had just run a 50 mile race in, in outside of Houston, Texas. It was a trail race and I was fine for the race. No pain. I have a rule. I do not run if I have pain. Okay. And, and because if you run with pain, it's only going to get worse, right? A few twinges are fine, but if you have consistent pain, that's overtraining and you're going to get hurt. Right. And so I have a rule that I will not run if I have pain and I will not run. I will not run if I cannot walk without pain. So if I even have, if I walk with pain, I'm not running and I need at least a week before I, uh, you know, of no pain before I'll do anything. But I was running a race down in Houston and right after I felt this pain on my ankle, it's kind of like a high ankle sprain. And I probably, I probably sprained my right ankle 20 times. So when I was growing up, I was a, very uh, active basketball player. I would always have to have my ankles taped in games and everything. And, and so I went to uh, get an MRI at one of the prominent hospitals in New York city. And, and I knew there was something wrong because I could just feel on every step that just didn't feel right. And they, my MRI came back clean. You're fine. So I said, no way. So I went to another doctor and I said, can you read the MRI? I'm going to, here is the film. Don't read what that person at the hospital wrote about it. Right because I find a lot of times in these radiology departments, they're so busy, they, they just go through so many of these and they don't look and they don't look at it the right way. So I went to another doctor who's a sports medicine doctor, you know, and in New York City, and he said, you're fine. I said, did you look at it? Yeah, you're fine. I said, I'm not fine. So finally I got to a doctor in New York City who, um, I remember I got to him and, uh, and I gave him the film and he put it up on his screen, this is this foot surgeon, and he said, come here. He said, your MRI says that you have a normal ankle. Everything is fine in there. I'm telling you right now, you were born with misaligned feet. Has anybody ever told you that? I said, no. He said, have you ever sprained your ankle? I said, all the time. I can walk down the street and sprain it just without a hole. Just sprain it. It just gives out. He said, that's because you were born with misaligned feet where you, your feet fall out and you are already at seven or eight degrees uh, towards an ankle sprain on every step you take. And he said, if you look at this on this MRI, like your MRI says it's normal. You don't have one of the tendons there anymore. That's why you have pain. I'm going to, I'm going to send you right now, this hospital for special surgery, the best hospital probably in the world. I'm going to send you get an ultrasound and, and that that's going to show that you, you have what I think. So I, so I go over there, I get the ultrasound and the, and the, and the doctor who, you know, is doing the ultrasound on my, said, Ooh, that tendon's not supposed to be there. And so the doctor was right. And he said, every step since birth, you've been tearing on that tendon, right? And eventually it was going to rupture. So he said, you, I need to do a tendon transfer from one tendon in your foot to your ankle. And, and you know, you still have, it's a Band-Aid and you still have this misaligned feet. So I'm going to need to cut your foot off and I'm going to need to change your position. So they ended up sawing off the bottom of my foot so they could change the position. And they did a tendon transfer and they said, you'll probably never run again. This is, you know, eight or nine years ago. Uh, so I ended up doing that uh, surgery and I've been okay. But what that has resulted in for me is I need to wear orthotics and I need to have these really like custom fit orthotics. And I've worked with a couple really good professionals that make them for sports teams and, um, and, I am now that we're in COVID. I usually have to go get a little tune-up for my orthotics pretty consistently, 
right? Just because I'm a heavy user of them. I move a lot. I, I, I run a lot when I'm running or I exercise a lot. And I haven't been able to do that since COVID and now I'm in California. So I now have an orthotic that I've been using where I've been running pretty much every day since February that is off and I, and I need an adjustment. So I'm having a little bit of rubbing on the pinky toe on one of my sides. And so, you know, th those things kind of yeah, happen and sometimes you get a corn or sometimes you get a blister. But over the last week, I was like, ooh, I have a little pain there uh, in, in uh, an area that feels like, like a bruise. And if you ever get something in your feet that feels like a bruise, you really need to pay attention to it, even if it's not bruised, because that's usually the beginning of a stress reaction, which turns into a stress fracture. So I didn't have a bruise, and I made a decision last week to stop running, and I was like, maybe I'm gonna have to shut it down. I was looking at buying an elliptical, Bob. I was thinking about you. You got that great elliptical machine. Um, but then, um, I stopped running. I cut my movement down a little bit and I said, okay, maybe it's okay. And so I scouted out these steps by where I live and I have been able to walk up and down those steps every day. They're probably 50 or 75 steps. I'm guessing I'm the only one wearing a mask. There's not that many people on these steps, but uh, this is an example of where I am going to try and keep my fitness going without pain, no matter what. And I actually thought I might have to just go to the pool and swim and push off my other leg. But so far, I've been able to kind of keep my fitness going, um, even though I have this, uh, this issue with my toe. And the next day, remember I said I did not have a bruise on my foot? Um, the next day, a bruise shows up. So... And when I touched it, it was tender. And if you have a bruise or black and blue show up on any part of your body, your foot, your ankle, there is a reason. Something has happened. So luckily, I was able to walk up and down stairs and have been able to walk up and down stairs for four or five days in a row with zero pain and no issues. Now, if I had pain while walking up and down those stairs, I would find something else. And it might mean I, there's nothing I can do until it calms down a little bit, but I will always try and keep something going just to elevate the heart rate a little bit because as we think about exercise, you know, elevation of the heart rate does so many great things cardiovascularly for the body and for the heart, which is a muscle, that it is important to try and get the heart rate elevated and it is important to do some strength also to uh, help strengthen your bones. So um, that's how I, how I kind of handle um injuries and sometimes I have to completely shut it down. I, luckily, I'm still able to figure out how to get my heart rate up. I'm, I'm really just walking up and down those stairs. I'm not doing anything else, right? Um, but I think that when people have injuries, if they can without overtraining and without being obsessive about having like, I used to be, you know, 20 years ago, I'm gonna keep running and I'm just gonna, it's gonna turn into a stress fracture. Now I'm like smarter than that and I'm gonna try and keep it going. Has anybody currently got any injuries or do other people think that way? Sarah, you have an injury? <laughs> uh, just a couple of comments. It's, I mean, I, it, I was going to jump in before when you asked this question and say part, another reason why I'm taking, kind of taking the time off that I am. I mean, I, I kind of, I see what you're saying about not running when you have pain, but my body literally hurts all the time. Like it just, my whole, you know what I mean? Like it's, so it's not, um, you know, I have kind of a recurring thing in my calf that started, but like from just from gymnastics, like my body is busted. <laughs> and so it's like, there's a certain level of pain that I always have, 
you know what I mean? So it's, I, do. I think it's, it's a, um, um, I, I think it's it kind of like a, you know, not to be arrogant, but it's like, I know my own body and I know like what is just a pain that's just like maybe arthritis from beating the crap out of my body for the first 22 years of my life. And like, what's an actual injury. I do have one thing that started two years ago on my calf that is coming back again. So going back to our, the first question, maybe the solution for me is to get on the bike, like to be on the bike for the next month instead of running, because that's where the, once I started heavy running again, that's when it came back. Um, yeah, I agree so I, that if, if you, if you hear me in your head and say, the rule is don't do anything where you have pain, then you should not be running. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, you'll know if you give your body rest that, uh, you, you know, it might be six weeks. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping my toe is a two week injury, but I know it's at least two weeks. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And sometimes I, I have gone at points where I've gone maybe a year without running just because like, I just know that if I start running again, I'm going to get hurt. So I'll Bob on this call bought this amazing pre-core elliptical machine, which I was looking at last week to put in my house here. And, um, I love the elliptical. I love the bike. I was thinking about having my bike shipped out, you know, um, anything that is going to cause you to not have pain should be the goal. Because if we have pain, our body is telling us something, you know what I mean? And if we obsess and we keep doing the same things that continue to have pain, even though we all know our bodies. And I always tell people, if you have a few twinges, it's probably fine. But eventually the body is telling you, stop. It's screaming at you, stop. And you, it doesn't matter what type of exercise you do. As long as you get your heart rate up and you do a little strength, variety is a good thing. I'm really enjoying my time on the stairs right now because I'm turning it into a little competition with anybody on those stairs. So I have pretty good fitness right now when it comes to my endurance. And so these are real stairs, right? And um, so I'm, I'm like literally walking, just walking as slow as I can. My heart rate's still 120 by the time I get to the top of those stairs. And then I just kind of walk down. And then if I, there was a, there's a couple of people there now that I've gone for the last four or five days that are pretty good shape. And so I don't want them to lap me. So my goal is that they're not gonna lap me. And then I wanna lap them, of course, right? So I'll use it as motivation. To, to lap these people if these people start to turn it up to try and take me down they're not going to take me down um i'm going to try and keep up with them right and so that's just like little things i remember there's this one game that i used to play when i used to go to the gym uh it was a stair climber and it had a, it had a video game on there and you you were on a balloon and you got to shoot at different things and that was incredibly motivating for me to try and achieve something right so my advice to you sarah is it's much more detail than you wanted i know but my, my advice to you is find something else that you love so that you can get your heart rate up, but don't, don't be so, it doesn't have to be running. You know what I mean? Well, that was why I went to the walking because it's, you know, I thought walking would be a good way, no, like less impact, but I think, I mean, everything hurts. Like, you know, my, my shoulder. Even walking? Even walking? Well, I, yeah. I mean, I have, like, I have a thing with my calf. I have a thing with my big toe on the right, like the pad of my, which has been there forever. I don't know what it is like, but I just have stuff that's just left over from gymnastics. And so, you know, like, uh, I just, you know, I just kind of like, it's just there, you know, but it's, it's, yeah. I don't necessarily know that it's like a, an injury type of thing, except for my calf that is new. So so I would I stop walking. I, I would look at your shoes to make sure your shoes aren't too worn down. I would, it, you know, if you had old shoes that you know are old reliable shoes, like I'll go on Amazon and I'm right now I'm on the New Balance V9s. Okay. That mm -hmm. came out a couple of years ago. I buy 10 pair. I buy those all the time. If I can find 10 pair of those, I know those are going to work for me. 
you know, yeah. so I would encourage you, um, encourage you to do the same thing. Look, there are other things that we can do when our body hurts, right? And it's not just about the exercise. It is about trying to be anti-inflammatory with the foods we eat, which is why I'm such a big believer in the unprocessed foods. It makes a huge difference for recovery. The movement makes a huge difference for recovery. If you're not, if you're, if it hurts to walk, then you have to cut your movement down for a while. But if you can still walk, not where you're getting your heart rate to 110, where you're just moving your heart rate to 90 or 80, you know, that's yeah. really good for your body. Now, if you have a calf injury, you know, then you might have to stop that for a while. Sleep is probably the most important thing for recovering our body. We need to sleep and we need to have at least seven hours of time of sleep not in bed, but yeah. sleep. I would prefer you get seven and a half to eight hours, you know, stress and anxiety obviously causes, you know, the body to not heal the same way. So kind of meditating yeah. or doing some yoga or doing other things where you can really relax. I like that we talked about last week, you said that you turn on your do not serve time after a certain time. Great. If it's a Netflix yeah. show, whatever it is. Great. Yeah. But, uh, I think those are all things that I would try and employ for you right now. Yeah, probably biking and rowing. I mean, that's it. That probably is the best to do right now. Yeah, and rowing can be a little hard too, you know, um, on the body. Um, if you're well, pushing. I had shoulder surgery uh, four, five years ago, and that's it's bugging me. I mean, just everything bugs me all the time. <laughs> but I just go, yeah. you know, through it because it's just there. You Don't know, go it's through it. There. Don't go through it. Um, <laughs> and try and do, try and try and try and live with the sleep and everything else we talked about the food and my advice would be not if you're really in a mode where it sounds like you are where you're not training for Ironman right you have the opportunity to heal your body that's why these triathletes do this periodization right yeah because they want to have time but if you if you just go right back into the next season and you're not healed it's going to be bad yeah that's yeah. what I figured okay yeah thank you Jeff were you going to say you're hurt yeah I'm in a bad area but can you hear me yeah we can hear you okay so i have an my arch on my left foot has been killing me the last probably four to six weeks and then not where i can't walk but it's or run it's just i can feel it nagging um it's tight i'll roll the tennis ball on it and then this weekend i started feeling like i stubbed my middle toe and it's been raw like right now it feels like like you were saying so you're telling me i, I could have a stress fracture I don't know if it's a stress fracture. You have to take a picture and point at on the skin and point at exactly where it is. It could be plantar fasciitis in that area also. Is the first step out of bed incredibly painful in the morning? No, no, and it's not even when I'm running, like we're just stop, I'm walking now, but like my arch, my left arch is really, really tight, tighter than it's ever been. Um, it's not preventing me from walking. It's not preventing me from running, but it's uncomfortable. And then after that 14 mile run, I just feel like something got between my toes and it's, you know, irritated, you know, and like it's rubbing against, although I looked at my toe and it's not bleeding, you know, it just feels like raw. Is it under, does it feel like there's a little golf ball in there, but smaller? No, it's, it's just more, it's more irritant. There's no golf ball or no, it's just like. Or a pebble. I should have said a pebble. You know, and I'm pressing down on it now. You press down on it, there's something underneath the ball of my foot, but it's not. And then if you go to my toes, it just feels like I'm, it's raw. Like there's no skin there, but there's skin there. Yeah, send me a picture of it. I wonder, do you ever have a Morton's aroma before? 
No, I've had the Myers rum, but I haven't had what you just said. Okay. Um, look, I, I, who knows? It could be plantar fasciitis. I doubt that in that area. I doubt it's a stress fracture, but you never know. You know, if it really, really hurts, you, you should stop running. You shouldn't be running. If you're running and you're doing training for the New York City Marathon and you're running 14 miles and it's just misery, it's just not worth it, you know? You can get your that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not. It's not. It's not misery. That's the whole thing. Like it's kind of weird. It's. It's. It's just. I. It's nagging, right? It's not preventing me from running. It's not like saying stop. It's just nagging. That's all. I'm just saying. You mentioned you're injured. And that's I the understand. first time. If, you know, like other people are saying, like you know, people think bother them. Yeah, things bother me. You know, I'll stretch it out, or my hips will hurt after a long run, and you know, there's things that just getting old, and you're putting wear and tear on your body. But this is weird. Yeah, I hear a lot of people say that they're getting old. It's just age, wear and tear in the body, and that's the reason why I'm hurt or sore all the time. But I'll tell you, you know, there's absolutely some cumulative effect of the damage that we do to the bodies over the years. But I've also seen some people who tell me they're hurt all the time and they follow you know, kind of the program and they're eating well and they're sleeping and they're uh, eating really whole foods and being anti-inflammatory and they recover. Now, some of it is the foot positions and maybe you need orthotics or maybe your shoes are too old, but I wouldn't just, there is a reason. And for somebody that's been a hardcore gymnast, perhaps that reason is they beat their body up so much that they do have a bunch of injuries and nagging injuries. And that's absolutely true. But sometimes I have gone from like having severe knee problems, IT band problems, ankle problems to getting my footwear correct. Shoes are probably 80% of the battle. Making sure I get orthotics and get them adjusted multiple times and get them dialed in and not running so fast all the time and not overtraining. And all of a sudden, I'm not sore anymore. So there are ways to improve. And back to your thing on um, your orthotics. I had orthotics years ago. Um, I got rid of them once I moved in the Hoka's. And, you know, I've always run with a bit of a, a gimp or limp, whatever. Um, so that's something that's always just part of my running. Uh, but I did, but you said wearing out your sneakers. Does anybody know when your sneakers actually wear out? Like it depends. What's the... Yeah, it depends. Some people will get, some runners will get 500 miles on their sneakers and they can run and some of the professionals, they can run on the shoes if you flip them over and you look at how worn down they are it's unbelievable how bad they are and somebody like me with my feet position because i fall in the same place all the time i only get about 100 to 150 miles out of my shoes and even a millimeter or two millimeters of wear in a certain area on the bottom of your shoes can cause all kinds of issues and injuries including not only to your feet but to your ankles and to your hips and to your knees right and so you should, if you want, you can take a picture of those shoes sitting on a table. Um, and I want to see what the tread looks like from behind and then flip them over and take a picture top down so I can actually see where the tread is. Um, They're 90% of the human population, when you think about shoes, falls into the middle. Okay, they pronate. 3% fall out, they supinate. I'm one of the supinators. And 7% is neutral. You know, don't hold me exactly to those numbers, but that's what I've been educated on over the years. So... 90% fall in. And, and, and so, Jeff, you know, that the problem that you might be feeling in your foot could just be that you need to get into a new pair of shoes or work shoes even. Although I don't know if you're wearing work shoes right now. Probably not. It's interesting because could it be that because of COVID, I haven't been wearing shoes 
that my feet are have been changing because I'm wearing shoes during the day. Yes, it could be. Our feet do change over time. Um, it's frustrating that I can't wear the same shoes I did 10 years ago or the same orthotics I did 10 years ago. Uh, but uh, it could it could make a difference. I actually think walking in barefoot is spectacular for health, and it, we should all be trying to walk in barefoot feet as much as possible. It can strengthen the feet, but it could be, you know, your feet getting used to a different position that you haven't been in for a while, and then when you get back in your shoes, you have an issue. It could be that they're too worn down. It could be that you wore orthotics in the past, and now you're you're longing for them again. It could, like I have orthotics right now, as we know, that are too old. And so I have problems with the orthotics, unfortunately, and not, that's caused probably the beginning of a stress reaction that I'm dealing with now. So it could be any of those. I wouldn't know until I could actually see your shoes and understand how worn down they are. And it's unfortunately, it's super frustrating because it's totally trial and error. You know, yeah, I, it, it, I don't know if you ever, I work with a guy in New York City who does uh, assessments of people's feet. He, all he does is make orthotics for people. So he's an expert there. And the guy that did my foot surgery recommends him and the hospital HSS recommends him. I would send you to him and have you go talk to him if you want. I don't know if he's seen people or if he's doing it remotely right now, but it might be somebody that you want to see. Yeah, I, if you send me information, I used to go to a guy named Schumacher, kind of funny, mm -hmm. right? Is a podiatrist or whatever, yeah. but I yeah. go, I go, I go to somebody now and, and have them take a look. Jeff, that sounds like a good plan though. Uh, but I think that uh, you want to get ahead of that pain in your arch before it turns into something real on your sideline, right? It's, you know, I mean, you're running pretty much every day and not doing any other type cross training at all. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you, you nailed it. Like I've been running more than I have, you know, three or four miles a night during the week and then the long run on the weekend. And I'm actually enjoying it. Like tonight I started running. It's nice. And I haven't been doing the cross training like I usually do get on a bike or, you know, do a class or any of that other stuff. And so I'm like, now I'll be bummed that my body can't take, you know, five, six days of running if that's what it really is. Yeah. And it's a cumulative effect on running and only doing running and probably not doing strength and probably having shoes that are old and probably given how busy you are right now, it probably has something to do with, you know, kind of how much you're working and stress and anxiety and all those things, you put them into a bowl and you shake them up and all those can play into what you're dealing with. What I worry about the most for you is that it, when the injury comes, it comes fast. And most of the time we ignore the warning signals and all of a sudden we're going to be out for six to eight weeks or longer, right? And so if there was a way, I don't know if you have something in your house where you have a stationary bike or you have something that you could vary your exercise. You don't need to run every day. I think you'd be fine running. Even if you took a week or two off to calm your heel down, if you needed it or your, your, your arch down, you could do it. But it certainly would be good to cross train. And are you doing strength training right now? No, you and I had that conversation the other day. So I need to get back. Yeah, I think it's important to start getting your glutes and your um, your core stronger again. I'll, I need to. I don't think I did. I forgot. I'm sorry. I need. I need to send you my strength exercises so you can just start doing those. And I would do them a couple of days a week, not on consecutive days. And if you're doing them the right way, you're going to be really sore for the first two weeks. And the motivator to continue to do them. Nobody wants to do it, but the motivator to continue to do the strength exercises is that you will not get sore again once you build up the resistance. But if you kind of do them sporadically, you're going to get sore every time. You know, into that. Yeah, that's actually like that. I'll, I'll take the pain to get the gain, Jim. 
Take the pain for the gain. Although that no pain, no gain is really stupid. I would rather just say keep it easy most of the time and don't have any pain. And, you know, it took me years to figure out and drop my macho attitude that going easier and not being in pain was very beneficial for health. Good. Good to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, Jim. Uh, you? I had, oh, not too much. I had a couple of comments, if you don't mind. I would love for you to comment. If you have uh, something on your foot that you feel like it's not quite right, you know, Jim, you're absolutely right. It could be a Martin's aroma. It could be like a sesame bone, that, a bone that's inflamed. But getting it looked at early and getting a diagnosis early is probably the best thing to do to avoid a more serious injury. So I, I'm with you on that, Jim. Tony, yep, Tony is my brother, and he's a doctor, by the way. <laughs> he is a urologist and pediatric urologist. Uh, yeah, Tony, I, any other comments? I, I would like to have a conversation with you about people people going to the doctor right now, too. Yeah. I didn't warn you in advance, but one of the things that, you know, Jeff and I, Jeff's on the call here. Jeff, Jeff actually went to Madison, by the way. He's a huge badger. Tony lives in uh, Milwaukee. <laughs> um, yeah. Jeff, Jeff, I had to say that. But um, you know, one of the things Jeff and I were talking about is I always encourage people once a year to just go get a physical and get their blood drawn to make sure that they are not only healthy uh, out, outside in appearance, but also under the hood. And I think both are super important for health. So I always say, just because we look good doesn't mean that we're healthy under the hood. And just because we don't look maybe spectacular, we maybe have good blood work. And the goal is to have good blood work and good being healthy under the hood and to uh, have, you know, a good... Um, healthy weight. So if you don't mind, I have another uh, comment. Uh, you might have said this before I got on the call, but uh, Sarah was having some calf issues. And I don't know if you brought this up, but I wouldn't underestimate the value of ice or cold therapy, e even well after an injury. 100% agree. I did not mention that. I should have mentioned that. I, I What I do is a cold bag of corn or peas, frozen corn, frozen peas, and a Ziploc bag because I can take it in and out of it. And I just tape, I tie it around an area with an ace bandage and I walk around with it. I don't even see it. You know, I don't even yeah. really feel it. And I believe that ice is a miracle drug. There are different viewings on, views on ice these days. Some of the more strict people believe that ice doesn't let the body heal itself and therefore they don't advise ice. I'm a believer, I'm not a doctor, but I'm a believer that getting inflammation out, whether it's in our back or in our toes or in our ankles or our knees is a good thing and ice can help do that. Yeah, I agree with you. There are differing opinions, but in general, the ice therapy, I mean, historically, a long time ago, it was, yes, you should ice for a couple of days, three days after an injury, but then it changed to no, there's actually a better prolonged benefit most of the time. And, and you're absolutely right. Different people react differently. But I think the idea is you get a better hyperemia deep in your tissues. And that's how you heal. So I, I'm in favor of it, basically. Yeah, great. And Jeff, you, you said you were rolling it with a tennis ball. The other thing that I've been advised to do by doctors over the years and I find to be efficient is I'll put a kind of Poland Springs water bottle in the freezer. And then I will use that to roll the bottom of my foot a little bit. It, it's like a rock, so you got to be careful. You don't hurt yourself icing yourself, of course. But like just getting that coldness into that area when you push down a little bit actually might get it in. The other thing I do 
is I do cold water Epsom salt baths from the waist down a lot of times because I find that when I have a knee injury or an ankle injury, I can't completely get to all the areas with the ice or the cold, you know, peas or free, frozen corn, but I can get a better coverage and a more equal coverage with cold. It doesn't have to be ice water. It can just be cold water, right? Um, and, and I put the Epsom salt in there just because I can, you have to dissolve it with your hand when it's cold water. But to me, there's some impact between the Epsom salt and the cold treatment that really makes a big difference for me. And I know some people that I've coached have said, what do you mean? I, I don't see that anywhere. But if you go and read the literature, it is out there. And, you know, athletes like Mike Tyson and many other athletes do cold treatments and they do it with Epsom salt. Jeff, that's much more discussion on your foot than you expected, I'm sure. Well, get this. So I just stopped running and I just sat on a bench and I took it off. And now I have a blister on that toe. <laughs> so at least, uh, you know, it's not invisible anymore. Blister would be a great result. Uh, of course, you want to figure out why you have it, but it's certainly almost due to shoes or it could be your socks. You know, like I only wear, as a runner, I only wear the brand Wright Socks, W-R-I-G-H-T. They're two-ply and uh, because I don't want to get the blisters. And you're training enough now where you're going to get the blisters if you're not in the right socks, too. I am obsessive. I used to about run in rights. Yeah, it's time to get back to the rights, and, and and you're gonna have to clear the blister. That's gonna take a week or so now. You know, I tend to not want to pop the blister, but I've had blisters like the half, greater than half the bottom of my foot at times. Um, I don't get them anywhere when I wear those socks, and I'm in the right shoes, and I'm doing the right you know foot care maintenance, which is just taking care of myself from the shoes and socks. Tony, anything to add on that? No, I think you're absolutely right, and uh, I think you already touched on this. The orthotics, um, I think they're very safe. I think they're very helpful to help prevent uh, injuries. And, you know, my friends that are podiatrists and stuff, they just say, yeah, orthotics are great. So uh, I wouldn't underestimate those, and uh, it's good to get them updated once in a while, maybe. Yeah. For sure. Well, and the, the frustrating thing about orthotics, and I hear this all the time from people, um, you know, some people don't need adjustment, but most people probably do need adjustment. And, you know, when people start to train for a marathon, for example, they don't get hurt for a while and all of a sudden they get hurt. It might not be their first marathon, but all of a sudden they have all kinds of problems. And it's because, you know, they have the repetitive banging in the wrong place with the wrong shoes or just the wrong foot position. So they're candidates for orthotics. But when people get professional level orthotics, they often have to go in and have to be uh, refitted a couple of times. And it is so frustrating. You just want to get the orthotics. But, you know, these are molded orthotics that need adjustments pretty consistently. And they need to be changed out over the years, right? Or, or otherwise, you're going to have what I have right now, which is I have old orthotics that are better than just wearing none. But, like, now I'm getting hurt. So I'm going to have to figure out how to adjust them or I'm going to have to dump them. Yep. So, Jim, yes, Tony. Do you mind if I change the subject and ask you a couple of questions? Sure. Okay. I love that. What's your What's your position on uh, like pomegranate juice in terms of being an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant? So I think the answer is always as is it depends. Like I want people to um, have. Uh, unprocessed pomegranate juice and a lot of the pomegranate juices out there or other type of juices have added ingredients they have added sugars or they have preservatives or they have um 
high fructose corn syrup or other things. So if you told me that you got some pure, I, I'd rather have you make your own pomegranate juice then I would be really a fan of it. They have that palm that they sell at Costco and everything that I don't think has any added ingredients, but it might have a preservative. I, you know, it's probably, it's certainly better than drinking a lot of different things, but I would try and get the highest quality pomegranate juice you can. The one thing that I absolutely avoid are anything with natural flavors. You're seeing this more and more. And there was a company called, that makes a product called Spindrift. Have you ever heard of it? I think it's Spindrift. It's like a water flavored type water and they were using natural flavors. And a lot of people said, why are you using natural flavors? And so they reached out to the company that was making the natural flavors for them. And natural flavors are a chemist sitting in a room and they want something that tastes like cotton candy. So they figure out how to chemically make it like cotton candy. You were a chemical, you were a chemistry major, right? So you'd understand what those guys do. And, and so they went to their company that was making the natural flavors and they said, hey, what are you doing there? And nobody would tell them what the ingredients were in the natural flavors. It was like a secret in a dark back room somewhere. And it got to the point where they said, if we can't figure out what's in our products and we don't know what we are selling, how can we possibly do that? So they went through a huge change and they cut out natural flavors completely. So to answer your question, it, it depends, but if you can get the higher quality stuff or make it yourself or juice it yourself, I'm a huge fan of any plants that will give you juices. Now, the difference between juicing and blending, now you were not gonna juice pomegranate. I've never juiced pomegranate or never blend pomegranate, but you know, when you juice things, you tend to not have any fiber. And if there's one piece of advice I would give people is you want as much fiber into your body as you can. And it's amazing. I would say my kids don't eat that well, but every day at the end of the day, now we kind of say, how many plants did you have today? Just sitting around dinner table, just like it's not a pressure thing. I don't, maybe don't, I don't do it every day, but every once in a while, how many plants did you have? And they'll list out, okay, I had apples today. I had potatoes today. I had tomatoes. I had avocado. I had onions, you know, and they're getting a good amount of plants into their body. And if we were to do some sort of worldwide study and we were to take a look at when, when people are not healthy and when people are putting on more weight, you'll find that the people that are more unhealthy are not eating as much fiber and they're not getting the plants into their body and the phytonutrients. So that's a long-winded answer. You're looking at the palm juice, I think, probably from Costco, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that one. I think that one doesn't have any bad stuff in it because Marlene drinks it sometimes. Mm -hmm. You said you had two questions. What's the next question? I, I did this one. Might might be a little tougher. Might be a challenge for you. Do you know if you put flaxseed in like chocolate chip cookies, does that negate the value of the flax? My answer to that is absolutely not. Um, I am a flaxseed consumer. Uh, every day, I uh, there were there was a king in some country somewhere thousands of years ago that thought the value of flaxseed was so high. Have you ever heard the story before? He thought it was so valuable. This thousands of years ago, that he decreed that everybody in his kingdom had to have flaxseed every day or X number of days a week. Ground flaxseed, which is absorbed to the body, has great. Um, benefits in so many different ways with omegas and fats and other things that I have found for for uh, somebody who you know has had health issues and you've seen me go through the health issues where I've been in the hospital many times when I changed and I started to have that oatmeal plus the ground flaxseed every day I really got healthy and I have two to heaping two to four heaping tablespoons of it every day now when we had the kids like we were trying to sneak the ground flaxseed into their cookies all the time right so now, is your question, when you heat it up, is there some negative benefit of heating it up? That I don't know the answer to. I'll have to do some research and get back to you. But I would think that anything, now, I would think that anything that is pure and uh, 
uh, whole food is great. Now, it's funny. I've coached people where they – I recommend a certain type of ground flaxseed, and I've coached people where they'll come back to me and they'll – they don't seem to be having the same health results I would have expected. And I will go do a review of everything they're putting in their body. And there are some ground flaxseeds out there that add natural flavors and add sugars and add other things, if you can believe it. So I'm, I don't want those into people's bodies. I want you to have natural ground flaxseed. I don't even taste it in my oatmeal. And some people tell me that they put it on their salad. I can't do it, put it on my salads or anything like that, but I can put it on my oatmeal. What do you think? I think you're correct. I, I don't think it uh, degrades the, the food quality of it. Um, I, I don't really know, to be honest with you, but I think you're correct. Yeah, some of this stuff is who knows. That's why I just try and tell people, eat, eat, try and get it on process and try and consume it as much as you can. And if you miss it, you know, fine. But like I try and get that into my body every day. Yeah. Any other questions or comments? I'm good. Shruti, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you still keeping your streaks going and still being productive? Um, yeah, I haven't been able to start running, but I think that's going to change soon because good. I signed up for, um, and so New York City employees um, have this thing mid-September through mid-October where you have to put in 10,000 steps a day. Great. Um, and Or at least a minimum of 8,000. It's some sort of a, a, a fundraiser for something. Uh, so I'm hoping to sign up for that. So hopefully I should start uh, getting more steps in uh, soon. Glad to hear that. You want to talk about what happened to your car or no? Oh my goodness. So New York city <laughs> is, um, been having some issues and the upper West side has been having some issues lately. They put three different homeless shelters or drug treatment shelters into the upper West side of New York city. And so many, I would say most New Yorkers and probably every single New Yorker on the upper West side of New York city believes that things are just going, going really bad. And you're yeah. hearing about increased crime. You're hearing about um, all kinds of issues with, you know, you know, people being around and a lot of people that are not mentally well or taking a lot of drugs, you know, just on the streets and causing all kinds of havoc. And we're hearing about vandalism and Shruti was unfortunately a, a victim of that over the weekend. What happened? Uh, the rear window was smashed in. I think uh, they tried to get the door open because uh, between the door and in the, in the middle, metal piece of the door, you could see that there was something they tried to insert. So the metal was bent um, and mm. they probably couldn't get it open. So they just smashed the window in, um, which was a real pain because uh, I think a lot of these incidents are happening. So uh, the window repair guys are sort of backed up, so they won't, you know, take the car in for another week, 10 days. So then I had to sit and clean and glass and it, it was just crazy. Well, you, do you park it on the street or do you park it in a garage? Uh, right now in the street. Uh, right. I used to park it in the garage, but uh, since we moved here, uh, to the new apartment and everybody was in lockdown and you know so we just decided to leave it out there but I guess uh, not a good idea. What'd you do you tape the window then it's still on the street or did you put it in a lot until you get it fixed? 
Uh, no, so I was going to put it uh, inside uh, in the garage today, but uh, fortunately the guys uh, from Acura, they came and picked it up. So, but basically I, I taped up the window. I just put a cardboard inside and a garbage bag on the outside. because so it's it's been been, Right, so it's been on the street for three or four days now like that, right? Mm -hmm uh yeah now yeah yeah well, we were we, we were away on uh, during the weekend even i mean we drove that way it was crazy but uh um but we had uh we went we were basically out of town over the weekend and then got back and then it stood there for at least two days and then this morning they came and picked it up well, I'm sorry that happened, and I'm, it's good to see you on the call, and I'm glad that you're continuing to do your strength and you're, you know, trying to keep yourself healthy. So great job. I mean, you've, you've had streaks now for weeks and weeks since we started this call, so very, very proud of you. Keep it up. Yeah. I do have a question on, on related to injury. Um, when I wake up in the morning, uh, we have a small flight of stairs, and I do feel that in the morning there is discomfort when I go down the stairs. It's when it's normal walking, like at, at level, I don't feel a thing, but on the steps I certainly feel. And then as the day progresses, it seems to get better. Like now when I go up and down, I don't feel anything. But um, early morning, I definitely, is that something I should be concerned about or go see a, uh, get it checked out or something? Or is it just, you know, aches and pains of getting older. <laughs> well, I'll take the shot, Tony, and then you can jump in. If you have any pain, your body's telling you something. So I think it's something you need to pay attention to. And you're not even training right now. So what comes into my head is I think back to your marathon training last year and how we got you through that, despite how beat up your body was. It was really probably the one of the most, one of the most times I've been the most proud because I didn't think we were going to get there. I never told you that, but because um, why would I tell you that? That's <laughs> stupid to tell you. But um, but you got there, and I think we did it in a way that was safe, and we stopped you from running for a while. But like, if you're not running right now, you still have those problems. A, I think you got to think about why it's happening. Is it, did you say it was your calf, or did you say it was your Achilles? Where is it? Knees. Your oh, your knees. Both yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I you know we need to figure out why it's happening. I think we need to because figure I, out. Is it your shoes? I feel yeah, I feel like it may have been happening for a few months. The only thing is because of since ever since we moved to this apartment in mid-February, uh, that's when I started noticing because we have a flight of steps now. We right. previously was all, the apartment was one level. So I never really had to do flights of steps. So it may have been there even or in the earlier months. I just didn't know it. Kind of is, it, is it is it on both is it the same pain in the same place in both knees uh, pretty much towards the inner inner edge i would say barefoot yeah. is it when you're walking barefoot yeah yeah barefoot tony got any thoughts so in general the joint pain that is present first thing in the morning and that disappears isn't the worrisome one that's the classic one for osteoarthritis but it's different, like rheumatoid arthritis is the one that gets worse and worse. So, yeah, having it looked at is worth it. Um, but it doesn't really sound all that bad is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So the reason I brought it up is because uh, 
though the train this thing uh, fundraiser is mid September through October I'm hoping to be able to run then so I want to start rigorously walking does it should I get it checked up before I start run running or anything or is it I mean is it likely to get worse well, your, your body's telling you something, whether it's arthritis or something else, your body's telling you something. I, I am not a fan of you starting a rigorous running program because I know you and you're going to get into it right away. And, you, you know, um, so um, I think it's baby steps. I think you should start to do some brisk walking and see how your body reacts to it. And, you know, sometimes these things just go away. And if you continue to have it, then I think you should see a doctor. That's my own opinion. And, you know, are you, how are you doing with food? Are you, cause you know, maybe taking those cold water Epsom salt baths and, and making sure your food is pretty anti-inflammatory and you're reducing your dairy or you know, cutting it out while you see if that makes a difference, might make a difference for you. And Tony, um, you were going to say something that you can go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say getting it looked at is always a safe thing to do because there's a big value to reassurance. So I would definitely, you know, err on the side of getting it looked at early rather than late. Yeah, yeah that's good advice. And maybe pay attention to it a little more and keep a log, you know, on your phone or something of when it bothers you, right? And then you can tell the doctor when it bothers you and you can tell me if you want, I'm not a doctor, but you know, I obviously deal with it from a training perspective all the time, right? But the number one rule here is, if you cannot walk without pain and you're walking stairs and you have pain, there is a reason and you should not be running without trying to figure out what it is and trying to fix it. You put a Band-Aid on it or ignore it, it's going to come back. And we know this to be true for you for sure, 100%. Now, it could be that you're walking around in shoes all day long and the shoes are in the right shoes and your body's just rubbing on those knees just a little bit. If you have it on both sides, I, in my experience, that's usually a great sign. It's usually caused by something. Right now, maybe it is arthritis and I'm not a doctor. I don't know, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, sometimes even the inflammation or arthritis can be aggravated by the wrong shoes. Um, now at home, pretty much I'm barefoot most days. Uh, <laughs> so unless I step out um, and it could be bad. Like I do, I do walk every day now. So in the morning I do some class or the other in the evening I'm making a point to to walk um, and yeah so that part could be true because I just pulled out an old pair of shoes uh, when I left uh, when we went into lockdown I had three pairs of shoes in, in in a box at work and I just we all just left that day without so uh, all my running shoes are at work unfortunately so i think i i i'll probably just go get a new pair yes and i think yeah. your your assignment for this week is to go get a new pair because shoes make are, are 80 or 90 percent of the battle a lot of times if you're in the wrong shoes or old worn down shoes even a millimeter uh, wear on the shoes can make a difference and we know you're particularly sensitive to it from the training yeah. for the marathon so go get some new shoes and try it and you might come back and report in the next week i've been wearing the shoes and I feel much better. I don't have the problems. Right. Well, well let's hope so. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Great Jeff. to see you. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Thanks, Shruti. Have a good bye. one, everybody. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, everybody. Be well. Bye. You too. See you next bye. week. Yeah, right, bye. bye.